Hello and welcome to this episode of the Friends Indeed podcast. I'm Rabbi Joshua Levine Grader. I'm the executive director of Friends Indeed. So glad to have you uh, join us today. So Friends Indeed is an interfaith organization and we provide supportive services to meet basic human needs so our homeless and at-risk neighbors can rebuild their lives. And everything we do every day with every person that we come in contact uh, with is uh, grounded in compassion, connection, and dignity, and love. And uh, I'm just really proud of the work that we do, and uh, I'm really glad to have you uh, listening today. I think this is going to be a a very special uh, and meaningful episode, uh, because um, whenever I'm able to, I'm so grateful when one of our guests or clients agrees to talk with me and to share some of their story about their life, wherever they are coming from, either on the streets or at risk of eviction or living in poverty. And it's just way more powerful to hear from a person who is experiencing homelessness or poverty or food insecurity um, and uh, is living with that uh, fear and and that daily struggle moment to moment than anything that I or someone I might uh, interview as an expert or um, thought partner uh, can, can ever do. So I'm really grateful today that one of the guests of the women's room which is our day refuge uh, for homeless and at-risk women. If you're not uh, familiar uh, with with what we do, it's uh, open uh, daily from uh, 10 to 4. It's a day program. Anyone who identifies as female can come in, no questions asked. And um, we have a variety of services that we offer. Uh, some of the basic needs, you can shower, you can have your laundry done, you can get healthy meals and a community and opportunity uh, to meet other people and to, to talk and to exchange ideas and to watch movies and do art and writing classes. And we have all kinds of um, community volunteers that come in and offer haircuts and manicures and massage and meditation, and Reiki. And um, it's it's just a really safe, uh, beautiful space, and uh, our staff uh, is incredible, and uh, offer uh, ladies uh, case management and referrals, and um, we're really proud um, that when we're able to get uh, a woman off the street, um, but we're also proud uh, when we can just provide uh, a day uh, of, of peace and of comfort, of renewal and uh, relaxation in a safe, uh, warm, loving environment. So I was able to uh, go to the women's room and uh, to interview one of uh, our guests, and uh, she wanted to uh, remain anonymous, but um, I'm going to share the interview, and I hope that you'll, you'll listen all the way through, because her story is incredibly powerful, and I think you will find uh, some things in it surprising, and uh, perhaps even things that you yourself uh, might be able to relate to based on uh, her story and her experience and uh, her life journey. So uh, please uh, listen and uh, enjoy uh, this conversation.
So why don't you tell me a little about, you know, how you found the women's room and, and what, what brings you here? Um, actually, the first or second week that I was out, out here, um, Najba, who works uh, with, with the you, street outreach, yeah. she was doing the street outreach and uh, with a gentleman called Sean Davies, Davies yeah. Yeah. and they told me about it. So this is almost uh, five years ago. And at first I didn't come because it was a little far for me. Um, I didn't have a car at the time. I do now, so it makes a big difference. So I didn't really come for the first year or whatever. Um, and then eventually I did come, and I've been coming ever since because um, it's just been a wonderful source for me um, in terms of um, camaraderie, assistance, obviously, um, a place to just decompress, get away from it all, etc. So yes, I've been coming here for about four, four years. <laughs> a long time. Yeah. So if you're comfortable, can, are you able to share what happened five years ago or six years ago that, that, that put you in the situation to meet Najwa and Sean? Sure. Um, you know, these things happen to other people always, um, but of course it happened to me. Um, my mother passed away, unfortunately, in my arms, oh. which... Uh, led me to develop or have, I don't know what the term is, PTSD over it. And uh, they lived in Europe at the time. And as did I, I went to stay with them for a year, luckily, and uh, came back here. Um, and just not, I did not realize I had PTSD. Um, I obviously knew something was wrong because other people seem to cope okay, you know, well with their parents passing, but I guess I didn't. And I just could not keep a job down. I just could not do it. It was just too stressful for me. And, you know, that led to missing, you know, falling behind on rent and then the inevitable couch surfing with friends. And, you know, we're like, guests are like fish, you know. So uh, there's only so so long you can stay with people. And then, you know, it's the hotel and then it's the car. And, you know, that's it's And like I said, it happens to other people, but happened to me and it's very difficult to get out of once you're in it you know it, it really is um you're treated a different way obviously um there's certain things you cannot do i mean you'd think okay just get up and go and get a job but you, i have a dog where would i leave my dog where would i leave my things what would, you know i couldn't possibly concentrate on having a meeting and not think of that evening and where i'm going to be sleeping or etc so it's not as easy. You get stuck in, in, in this vicious little circle. Um, it's very difficult to get out of. So so for the past five years, what, what, what has life looked like for you? You've been living in, in your car? Or? Not, not the whole time. Not the whole time. Um, there have been, I, for about six months, I actually rented a room from um, someone I knew. That did not work out very well. It turned out to be a bit of a strange place, so I moved out. Mm-hmm. Um, then I had my unemployment. Then my COVID unemployment came in, which was a godsend. And, you know, of course, I didn't get an apartment or put, <laughs> you know. Um, so that was spent on hotels, which are very, you know, it's $3,000 a month in the end. It's very expensive, a minimum. Um, so, you know, I wasn't always, 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 you know, in my car. But, I mean, for lack of a better... I mean, I certainly didn't have a, my own place. You know, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So. so when you were out there, do you, 
do you meet other people? Did, did you, what, what did you, what does it feel like for people, you know, for, so people can understand, you know, uh, someone who was housed and had a, had a life and a career and, you know, what, what, how, how did you, how do you manage? I, luckily for me, my father was affiliated with the army. So we traveled, I wasn't an army brat, but I, we traveled all over the world. So I was used to moving to different countries all my life. And it's horrible at first. You don't speak the language. You don't, you know, you, you don't know the way your way around or whatever. And I just applied that because I've been doing it all my life. Mm. I applied that to this. Mm. I just said, you're in a different country. You don't speak the language. Wow. That was the only way I could put it in my head, you know? Um, you have to make friends with people that don't speak your language and you just have to fit in as best you can. And so there's that sort of side of things. Um, and then um, better the devil you know. I mean, there are people out there that are people that I would probably never make friends with uh, normally. I wouldn't have any reason to, you know, of every color, creed, whatever, um, which has been fascinating, actually, on, on some level. Um, and I've just sort of made friends, quote unquote, um, like I said, better the devil, you know, so they're drug addicts, there are gang members mm. there, are, but I'd rather be a friend with a gang member than, you know, uh, the non, the not perfectly. Yeah. And so on a certain level, I have some protection from these people mm -hmm. and they've, at first, they thought I was a policeman or something undercover mm -hmm. because obviously, you know, I mean, here I am, you know, this white lady you know, in a car. I mean, what, what are you doing out here? Yeah. And now they've, you know, now they've taken me on as one of their own, pretty mm -hmm. much. But it's very interesting to see the faces and to, to realize that these people are human beings. And they, I do not, I, I always gave money to homeless people, always. Mm -hmm. I always, if I had it on me. But it was just sort of like, you know, this sort of homeless umbrella, let's say. They were all filthy as far as I was concerned, drug addicts, alcoholics, you know, whatever. But human beings, nonetheless, but still that sort of... But they're not all. There are people that... I'm, I've met ladies here at the women's room who are uh, a friend of mine whose name I won't mention. She comes here often. She's in her mid-70s. Mm. She um, just family matters, whatever, same thing. You know, guests become <laughs> are like fish, whatever. She did the couch surfing, whatever it was. She's now in her car, and she's 76, I believe. Um, so she's homeless. And so a lot of people don't realize that there are a lot of people that are homeless, that are not drug addicts, that are not alcoholics, that are not mentally unstable. Yes. I mean, it's borderline at this point because you can't help. But, you know, um, so it's a shame that people get grouped. Uh, it's, it's unavoidable, I'm afraid, because uh, it is. You, would, you, you could pass 10 people in the street every day and not know they're homeless. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know I'm homeless. Because I keep myself together, I, thanks to the women's room. Mm -hmm. You know, I shower every day. I mm -hmm. eat properly. I have a dog that keeps me sane-ish. <laughs> mm -hmm. And But other people are not as lucky as me to have that mental stability, let's say. Um, some people are have been in the system from birth, let's say. Mm -hmm. Parents were drug addicts, whatever it was, you know. And who have mental problems. And they're not being taken care of properly. Um, that's another issue altogether. Yeah. And it perpetuates because they have children and blah, 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 they can't take care of you. Know, it's, it's, um, it's very sad. It's very sad. Yeah. But. Yeah. So you mentioned that you met Najwa and Sean. Yes. And, but it took you like a year to, mm -hmm. to decide to, to yes. come up here. What, what 
why was that? And then what shifted that, that allowed you to, to feel safe or ready to, to come here? It, it was never a safety issue. Um, thankfully, I grew up in Italy, so I'm very feisty. And so I, I, I was never, in Pasadena, I've never felt unsafe. Never, never, never. So that's one thing. It was just the location. I was on the other side of town, not the other side of town, but I was, I didn't have my car at that mm-hmm. point. And, you know, I was, I'm going to be honest, I was a complete snob. I will, I don't take the bus, you know, and <laughs> which is, those things have changed a lot. Um, and it was just, for me, it was a bit of a trek with the dog and the bags and et cetera. So I just sort of kept putting it off and then I forgot about it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I, if I may be honest, needs to be advertised more because a lot of women don't know about it. They really don't. So I put out the word all the time, all the time. Where are you going? Oh, the women's room. And I tell them all about it. So I advertise it a lot, but, uh, then I got my car, and so that became an easier, you know, the, the, the coming here was easier. And so mm-hmm. that's pretty much it was geography, really, yeah. Yeah. you know. So I know I'll get asked, I, how are you able to get a car? Uh, my unemployment. My unemployment. I got the COVID unemployment and um, made full use of that and said, well, I need a car. And, which is a blessing in disguise because then you don't have the money for the gas or, for example, my car right now, the alternator's out and I, I bought a pr- pretty expensive car and so that's very expensive. So things like that are, but at the same time, you have some, somewhere to sleep every night. Mm-hmm. You close the door and finally you have privacy. There's never any privacy. You're in a goldfish bowl, constant, 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. which is just nerve-wracking. Um, so... So, yeah, I mean, through the the unemployment I I got, I was able to get it, yeah. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we'll hear from our guest about how things are looking for the future and uh, what some of her plans might be uh, when she can uh, get back on her feet uh, fully. So this is the Friends Indeed podcast. I'm Rabbi Joshua Levine Grader. We'll be right back. So we are very excited about our upcoming fundraising event called Cooking for a Cause. It's in partnership with the Institute for Culinary Education, and we are preparing an amazing evening cooking competition with 12 students of the Culinary Institute who are going to have a chef challenge off. And uh, the key to this is they're going to get... Uh, staples of a kitchen, but they're also going to get a mystery bag, and that bag is going to include items that our food pantry clients would get on any given week. And from those uh, those items, the students are going to have to uh, prepare an appetizer and an entree, and they're going to uh, be judged by their professors and other local chefs. So if you want to be a part of that, check out our website, friendsindeedpas.org. Be a sponsor, and we have very limited space for those to be on site for uh, the opportunity to witness the actual competition. It's going to be live streamed, uh, so everyone uh, can have a chance. That'll be for free, and there's all kinds of sponsorship and ticket opportunities. So uh, you don't want to miss Cooking for a Cause. It's June 23rd, Friday evening, uh, from 5.30 to 7.30. So now let's head back to the show. So looking, looking forward, looking ahead, what do you, th- what, what do you see on your, on your horizons? Well, hopefully, um, obviously housing, um, and I've applied for the Section 8 now, mm-hmm. 
So it's it's open for two weeks, one week left, I think. Um, so let's see what happens with that. Then I'm working through other with other um, organizations, um, trying to secure the house again, housing, and then from there, hopefully, that would lead to a job, and then blah blah blah, and then I can take care of my PTSD with a doctor and have that sorted, and just get on with my life. I mean, I would not trade this experience. Ever. I mean, it's been horrendous. No one wants to be doing this, you know. But at the same time, you learn a lot about humanity. You learn about, um, well, human beings, how they, how they really are. I mean, it's very interesting. It's, I don't know if you ever read Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Lord of the Flies out there. Uh-huh. And it really is fascinating. It really is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so I wouldn't trade it for, for anything. I really wouldn't. Wow, so that's an amazing statement <laughs> in and of itself. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. So, which had never happened, <laughs> right? But of course. Um, yeah. So, let's say um, I'm praying that everything you just said—housing, you get Thank a job, you, you get you. stability—and you are in a better place mm-hmm. with all those things, mm-hmm. and you're driving around Pasadena. How are you going to feel? What do you, when you see people that you know? When you now you're you you now the face of homelessness was your face was in there. Mm-hmm. How, how do you imagine things might might be different? Uh, well, I, I actually had a little a little taste of it when I when I got my unemployment, my COVID. I was in a hotel for a year. Mm. I wasted a lot of money. I know. <laughs> But, um, and I had a car, so I seemingly had, was back to some sort of normal life, you know? Um, I decorated my room, blah, 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 blah. So yes, I would drive around and see people I knew, and I would stop, and I would, because they've become my friends now. Mm-hmm. Um, not people you'd want to take home to mom, some of them, but, uh, <laughs> but certainly I would not drive by, and I will never ignore them, and I, you know, the other thing is sort of parallel to this question is that, of course, the police know you because you're constantly breaking the law. You're, you're trespassing. You can't help it. You're trespassing. You, you, you need, where on earth they want us to sleep is unbelievable, you know? Yeah. Of course, you're going to break the law on some level, you know? You try not to, but you do. So they know you, you know, and initially, they, one of the policemen said to me, oh, you know, you shouldn't hang out with these, uh, this riffraff and all of this blah, 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 blah. And uh, when I first had the car, and I said, you know, this riffraff, these, is it, these is plural? Riffraff is singular, yeah, but yeah. okay, never mind. So, uh, um, are, are people that showed me the ropes and they were my guardian angels and they will come and sit in my car when they feel like it. They will eat my food when they want to and they will sleep in my car whenever they feel. And unless I've broken the law and there's something wrong with my car, then I suggest, you know, but so I will never turn my back on the people that have helped me out. Never, 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 never. Um, so let's, I really appreciate this, yeah, first of all, and let's, let's bring it around to the end, you know, of, of what the, what the women's room has, gives you and, and, and how you think what you've gotten here, uh, outside of the, the showers right. and the laundry, which is tremendous and the meals, mm-hmm. you know, for those listening, how has it helped you to, to, manage through these last four plus years well it's it's you ring the doorbell and it's 
the door is open and it's always one of the ladies is so sweet always and it's always hello blah blah whatever my name is yeah. <laughs> um and so i'm an i'm a person here i'm not just some person out there again i'm not on the side of the road with a empty bottle of vodka in my hand you know with no shoes on which is the perception mostly of homeless people however you know you are still treated in a certain way here i am who i am I have my own needs. They recognize my own, what, whatever needs I have. It's a little family of sorts. The fact that it's females only also, it's, it's a different, there's a different atmosphere. If, if it were co-ed or however you would put it, it would be a completely different uh, situation. People would not be as comfortable as they are. Like I said, it's just coming home every day. You're, you're visiting, you know, you're visiting your family, your, your sister, whoever, and the other sisters are here, you know, and always, and none of the street nonsense goes, nonsense comes in here. It's left at the door. So there's a mixture of everybody. And it's interesting because now I've made friends with older ladies here who are OGs in the, in the street, uh, you know, uh, thing there. And I always feel protected. I, I could mm. always pick up the phone and call one of my, I call them sisters here at the, at the women's room. Mm. And we counsel each other. It's really interesting. We counsel each other. So there's, uh, you know, someone's having a problem with uh, their daughter or blah, blah, blah. So maybe I have information that I can share with them, um, from my experience or from my previous non, uh, homeless life, you know, and so we help each other out too. And so it's just a sense of community and support and you can leave your troubles at the door pretty much for, for the day mm. and get a shower. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. so yes, it's, it's just been wonderful. It's really a wonderful uh, facility and organization. And I really hope it goes on for a lot longer and um, continues the way it is, it's continuing now. So. Well, thank you so much thank for you. taking time, and you know I'm wishing you blessings and, you. and good luck. And uh, you know, as I know from other ladies, please God, you get housed and get moved on. You're always welcome you. back, thank and you, so you know, at any time. And I and intend to once I'm up and running. Fingers crossed, very soon I intend to volunteer uh, and come back and give back to to this place. Absolutely. Great. Great. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you for everything. Thank you. So I hope that you enjoyed that conversation and learned things and had a chance to uh, reflect uh, on your life. I know that I was reflecting uh, very deeply uh, as I was listening to her and just being grateful and uh, that this this story of stability of life of family and uh, a tragic loss and uh, decline PTSD and that led to uh, a spiral uh, as you heard and and that could happen uh, to any of us so that was one of the reasons that I wanted to uh, to share her story in particular um, so I hope that you found that meaningful and I do hope that. Uh, that you'll reflect on on this uh, whenever you see folks out on the street. You you can't know the backstory unless you talk to people. And so, seeing the humanity, uh, which is what we do here at Friends Indeed uh, every day, is really incredibly valuable. And uh, I really thank uh, our guest uh, for sharing so personally and um, reflecting so deeply uh, on her experience and uh, being able to to give us uh, a small window into to what uh, she has gone through for the past uh, five or six years. So that's going to do it uh, for this episode of the Friends Indeed podcast. I really appreciate you joining. 
Uh, if you liked this, please share it with your friends uh, and your family. You can get this uh, downloaded uh, anywhere that you get your podcasts. If you want to learn more about what we do at Friends Indeed, you can visit our website, friendsindeedpas.org, or you can check us out on social media. And uh, we hope that uh, you'll continue to be a part of our family, uh, get on our mailing list, and uh, keep up to date. And, of course, uh, if you're able to participate in our Cooking for a Cause, uh, you don't want to miss it. So uh, check it all out, and uh, hopefully we, uh, we'll see some of you there. All right, I'm Rabbi Joshua Levine Grader. This is the Friends Indeed podcast, and uh, we'll see you next time.